ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show and the official podcast of Pro Wrestling.cool. It's not just cool, it's not cool. We are here to talk about this past week in the WWE, which means we're going to talk about Raw, we're going to talk about SmackDown Live, we're going to talk about NXT, and of course, my predictions for Extreme Rules, which is this Sunday on the WWE Network. I'm Owen. I'm by myself. I'm with you, the people tuning in live over at Mixer, uh, yep, Mixer.com slash The Ozone, and on Twitch at Twitch.tv slash Ozone Online. So, if you're in the chat, send your questions and your comments, and I will get to them as I deem fit. I'm, I'm by myself this week. Right, right and solo. I normally, I used to have a, a co-host... Uh, what's his name? I it's on top, tip of my tongue. But uh, if you missed it in the podcast feed on Friday, we had a special edition of Heel Turn, which was interesting. So if you have not heard the Americana spectacular that we did for the Fourth of July, well, well, that John did. I I had a small bit in it. Make sure you go and listen to it. And explains why John is not here. That's fine. I'm here. I'm here with you, the fine folks. And uh, I'm not on a. Unlike last week, I'm not recording this on a phone at the last second. I'm actually in the studio streaming this live. And uh, yeah, very cool. Um, as I'd mentioned a couple weeks ago, I said I would have caught up with Glow Season 2. By the time we got to uh, this week. And that is what I did over this past weekend. I watched the second season of Glow on Netflix. And it is excellent. That show continues to be great. It's a really good you know, one-off episodes. Like, minor spoiler, but not really. That one of the episodes is actually just straight up an episode of Glow. The, the actual wrestle show. So that was awesome. Um... One concern I had, though, is that I felt like all the characters didn't get enough, you know, breathing room as they did in Season 1. Which I get because they were new, they had to build backstory for them, and they're kind of established at this point. But I still would like to delve deeper into their relationships. The the whole situation with uh, Liberty Bell and uh, Alison Brie's character... Didn't it was kind of there? It was kind of rough, but not nearly as intensive as the first season, which is understandable. It dealt with a lot of issues with men, you know, women's rights, and you know, in in, in the TV industry and all that. But um, yeah, they they handled it pretty well. But I still feel like season one was superior. So. Make sure that if you haven't watched the first season of Glow, make sure you go watch it. It's, it's there. And then watch season two. It's excellent. Especially, even if you don't like wrestling, well, if you're tuning into this, you should probably like wrestling. But you can recommend it to your friends who don't necessarily get wrestling. You say, just watch the show. It's it's funny. Entertaining. And plus, it actually treats wrestling with a bit of respect. Yeah, make sure you check out Glow. It's very good. Aside from that, this week, um, you know, 
transitioning into this whole solo thing, putting things together. If you're tuning in live on the video version, had to change the layout a bit. You can see a little more of the area around me. I was considering doing a, a dumb green screen thing with it, but probably, I don't think it would be that funny. So I'm just doing a normal, normal backdrop for the show, which is fine. And, um, what else? What else have I been doing this week? Setting up the show. Oh, if you are a Patreon subscriber over at patreon.com slash pwc, starting this week, which, uh, and by that I mean it, the first episode should go up a little later in the day from uh, the, the podcast version of this show, Heel Turn. Uh, we will have a a kind of a recap, review, discussion about the G1 special that New Japan did over in San Francisco. Me and my buddy Trace, who is our New Japan correspondent on the site, but, you know, hasn't really covered anything aside from Wrestle Kingdom back in January. Fine, people get busy. It's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. But he and I will be convening and doing a podcast every week, recapping the past couple of past couple shows, I should say, of the G1 Climax, which is New Japan's huge tournament. There's the A block, the B block, scoring points, and then ends up culminating in a finals where the winner earns a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. It's it's pretty exciting. Also, it's a lot of it's a lot of shows. Personally, I've never watched all of the G1, but I'll do my best. Because now I have a reason with this podcast to catch up with all of the G1 and watch all of it and talk about all of it. So that's that's the task that me and Trace will be doing. The first, the episode on the G1 special will be for our 9.99 tier on the Patreon, which because we ha- give those people an exclusive podcast every month. If you're not subscribed already, you should. It's me and John usually did fantasy booking, but with him being kind of non-existent at the moment. This will fill in the gap. And then the one for the finals will also be behind that 999 tier. But the weekly shows after that, you know, covering the actual tournament will be for anyone who subscribes to the Patreon. That means for just a dollar you'll get a bonus weekly podcast for the rest of July into August. Pretty good deal. At least I think we're trying to we're, we're trying to do more stuff for our patrons because they're helping fund this website and keep it going, especially because it's now just me and, and Trace doing the podcast and Michael who does the hot takes every week. But heavy lifting is right now just me, and this website is not easy to run. So any any uh, contributions. That you do on the Patreon are greatly appreciated, and we're gonna make sure we give back to you, because you guys are the reason we do this. So yeah, that, that, that's enough uh, shilling and all that. Let's uh, let's move into the next segment. Let's talk about the wrestling news. <laughs> Our first bit of wrestling news is uh, 
So here's the thing. I actually watched Monday Night Raw this week because I have to cover both shows. Well, all three shows, because including NXT tonight. But yeah, I had to watch the three hours of Raw for the first time in a while, and I actually found something interesting during the episode. They had a commercial. Well, technically, they also aired on during SmackDown, but whatever. I, if they first did it on Raw. Ronda Rousey is going to be one of the pre-order characters for WWE 2K19. They had a great commercial with her in the locker room with Roddy Piper's jacket playing clips that are going in her head from her speaking with Roddy Piper on his podcast and her, him kind of like being a father figure and you know giving her his blessing and it's super sweet and awesome. So, if you haven't seen the commercial, check it out. Ronda Rousey is going to be a pre-order character along with Rey Mysterio, who they announced, you know, when they first announced the game. So, there you go. It's kind of weird that Ronda Rousey is a pre-order character, since she's, like, kind of a main roster person. That's kind of like saying, oh, Brock Lesnar is a pre-order character, because he's an MMA guy who's kind of part-time. But, whatever. Maybe... This is just a marketing bullshit. And it gave them an excuse to make this great commercial, so I'm, I'm just going to let it slide. It's not, it's not a big deal. Uh, news that broke today is that Caitlyn, former Divas champion, she was in the, the one women's season of NXT, along with AJ Lee. She is making her return to the WWE in the Mae Young Classic this year. This was announced earlier today. The news first broke to me on ESPN, but I'm sure the WWE website also broke it of some sorts. But yeah, this is after she was away for four years. She was retired doing her whole fitness thing and her clothing line and FaceTiming with Big E. Because they're a bunch of weirdos. But yeah, they did that. She's back... I wonder if she's gonna have her hair be the blonde, you know, kind of blonde mix, kind of again, or just gonna be brown like it was after she retired. Who knows? Is she still gonna be good at wrestling after all this time? I don't know. I haven't been keeping up with her. I hope she's good. Does this mean a full return? Probably. I would think she would if she's doing all this work, you know, building a relationship with WWE again. And getting all this exposure in the Mayon Classic, I would assume she's gonna pop back up because Lord knows they they need some more talent. If if you watch SmackDown and you saw the lumberjack match, it shows like yeah, kind of thin, kind of the women's division kind of thin, despite the fact that they don't really use the thin roster that they currently have. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, that's exciting for Caitlyn. I'm excited to see how she does in the tournament. Likely she'll go a few rounds in. I don't expect her to win it. But it's good for her. Uh, More news that broke this week is that originally the TLC pay-per-view was scheduled for October 21st at the TD Garden in Boston. And then it got moved away. To just be a house, a co-branded house show. That sounds familiar. 
And if, if you're wondering why I say that, it's because a few years ago, Philadelphia was supposed to have a TLC. Because I had never seen a TLC match before. And I was excited for that pay-per-view. And then all of a sudden, they moved it away from Philadelphia. And we instead got the King of the Ring tournament on Raw. That that bad news... Well, not, not, not bad news, it was that, uh... That Sheamus one. That... Yeah, remember when Sheamus won King of the Ring? I, I I was there. But it also, oddly enough, that episode actually was Jerry Lawler's one and only shot at the WWE Championship because he fought The Miz in a TLC match. So I I, I kind of got what I wanted, but not really because Jerry Lawler, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. Back on topic... The TLC pay-per-view was moved from October 21st to December 16th in San Jose. And if you're wondering, oh, didn't they already have a pay-per-view in December? Yeah, they had Clash of Champions slotted for that. And now that's off the schedule. Because it's a weird concept of a pay-per-view anyway. So, especially with the two brands. So, that's fine. More more weird gimmicky pay-per-views. The significant thing about this shift of TLC moving from October is that there were originally two pay-per-views scheduled for October. It was TLC and the Australian showdown down under whatever they're calling that thing. So kind of like how we had Backlash and the Greatest Royal Rumble back in April. So, because of that, now the Australia show is the core pay-per-view for the month of October. Which, I guess is a good thing, and gives more gravity to the to the pay-per-view. It makes it seem like a bigger deal, not just a little side thing that they're doing. So, that's, that's good for them. I still have to wake up at, like, 4 or 5 in the fucking morning to watch it, because Australia times. Fine. I'm gonna do it. I do it for New Japan, so not a big deal. And by that, I mean I, I say I'm going to wake up that early, fail to do so, and then watch the pay-per-view during the afternoon. Don't judge me. I, 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 like this, I, I enjoy sleeping, sorry. I know the UK people are like, well, whatever, we have to always have to you know, wake up at weird times to watch Monday Night Raw. I don't care. That's your problem, dude. Leave me alone. One more bit of news we have this week is that Brock Lesnar showed up at the UFC pay-per-view on Saturday because Daniel Cormier was talking shit and said, hey, I'm going to want to fucking fight Brock Lesnar. And then Brock Lesnar showed up and said, hey, I'm, I'm Brock Lesnar. I don't have that red belt. That I'm supposed to carry around as the Universal Champion. But I'll fucking shove you and hype up our fight. So, yeah. Brock Lesnar's going back to UFC again. Shocking, right? Who could have seen that coming? But, uh, the interesting thing about this is that you would think, well, what about the whole, uh, drug situation? That he had last time he fought. 
Like, you know, he tested positive, he got a suspension. Here's the thing. When he got out of the USADA testing pool, his suspension got frozen. So he had to go back into the testing pool, which he did starting on July 3rd. And his suspension was for six months and four days. So that means that the earliest he can fight would be in January of next year. It's a bummer because they were planning to try to get him to be on the New York City show and be in Madison Square Garden. But he's clearly not going to be ready by then. So, oh well. They'll, they'll find a spot. It doesn't matter where it is. Brock Lesnar is a big draw in, in UFC. Also, I talked to my friend Andy, who's a big UFC fan, and his response was just laughing and saying, yeah, Brock Lesnar's going to get his fucking ass kicked. We'll see. People thought that was going to happen last time, and he won. He was also on drugs, so we'll have to see. So yeah, that's all I got for news. Uh, if there's any other news topics that you that I, you think that I missed, let me know in the Twitch chat, and I would be happy to give a, a brief comment on it. So there you go. All right. Now, oh boy. Now I've got to talk about Monday Night Raw. It's a show that I haven't really gotten to talk about in a long time because it's a three hour thing that I tried to avoid because I had enough wrestling in my life. And considering I'm about to cover the G1, I, I really have enough wrestling in my life coming up. I, I don't need to cover Raw, but I'm going to do it anyway. So let's get into it. Monday Night Raw this week. We had the whole Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley thing because this Sunday we've got Extreme Rules. And, uh... So we have Roman Reigns in the hallway and Bobby Lashley confronts him and, uh, you know, begs him to call him out at the ring. What they failed to do to get any heat into the segment was they had the Celtics logo on the wall in the background, and the crowd, instead of paying attention to what they were saying, were just chanting, let's go Celtics. As a Philadelphian, I have to say, Celtics, not not a fan. Not, not, not a fan of Celtics. That's fine. Roman Reigns came out to the ring, he called out Bobby Lashley, as he had been asked to do so, and, uh, they got heated, and Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin came out and said, save it for Sunday, don't... Fucking give it away now. And they said, Ashley, let's just beat the shit out of each other. And the whole locker room spilled out and tried to stop them. And, uh, yeah. That was this whole segment. It was just them fighting over and over again with crowds of wrestlers that no one cares about trying to stop them. And it went way too long, in my opinion. Some people really liked the segment. I feel like it went on a bit too long. Like, I get it, you know, 
Oh, they're so angry. They need to keep fighting. It's got to be hyped up for the... By the way, you know this is going to be the main event of Extreme Rules, right? This is totally going to be the end of the show because it's Roman Reigns. And there's no Universal Championship, so... Raw has and Raw has to main event the show somehow. <sighs> but yeah, that was that was their whole thing that night. The hype up their match, whatever. We had a tag match with uh, Mickey James and Alexa Bliss against Nia Jax and uh, Natalia. Natalia still is a face, and it's weird, and I don't know if I like it. Match was kind of whatever. But uh, the big thing that happened was as soon as Nia Jax got the pinfall on Mickey James, Alexa Bliss pulled out a kendo stick out of nowhere and uh, hit Nia Jax a few times with it because their match at Extreme Rules is an Extreme Rules match. Who could have seen that coming? So uh, Nia Jax grabbed the kendo stick from Alexa Bliss as she was trying to hit her once again with it, and uh, snapped it in half, and Alexa Bliss ran away and went, no! My weapons! Why? I, I mean, I, I felt like it was effective to, you know, kind of give a little preview, and showing that Nia Jax is above these weapons. I just fear that the match is gonna involve Alexa Bliss trying a bunch of different things, and Nia Jax, instead of using weapons, just destroying them. Which is fine, but not really what I look for in Extreme Rules match. I want everyone to use the crazy chairs and tables and all that. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that match goes. We'll, we'll talk about it later on, because at the end of the show, I'm going to give my predictions for the card. A uh, recurring segment that we had on Raw was uh, Kevin Owens being in Kurt Angle's office. Because uh, Kevin Owens showed up kind of in uh, you know, street clothes and said that uh, despite Braun beating the shit out of him every week, he still shows up to work. Because that's what he does. Uh, but he gave Kurt Angle a piece of paper that had a doctor note, doctor's note that said that uh, he is not medically cleared to compete in the ring, so don't try to make him wrestle the, the Bing Bong Strongman. We had a uh, we had you know different segments throughout the night. Well, actually, we had two more segments th- during the night involving Kurt Angle's office. One was uh, with McIntyre and Ziggler, where Kevin Owens kind of whatever in there, and then the last one was with. Braun Strowman coming in, Kurt, uh, Kurt Angle announcing to a very scared Kevin Owens that he will be fighting Braun at Extreme Rules in a steel cage. Which, sure. I, hmm. K- kind of random. One thing I didn't like about this was uh, the recurring joke of Kevin Owens smelling like shit because of the porta potty incident last week. He's had a week to clean himself. He's not a dirty old. He's not a dirty hillbilly man. He's Canadian. He knows how soap works, guys. That's fine. Speaking of bad things, though, I'm gonna briefly talk about this segment because 
that's about briefly is about all they gave it on Raw. Uh, so last week we had the uh, Doctor Shelby segments with Bailey and Sasha Banks, and they were not good, but they were continued this week. And how they handled that was they got a different doctor in the same exact office, and we cut to this three different times. And only one of them had actual, like, speaking lines in it. Dress was just, ah, they're in the, they're, let's just check in on this camera. They're, they were there earlier today. They're just talking. What, what, what was this? Why, why was this even on the show? What, what's the point? Makes no, makes no sense. I, I don't, these two don't even have a match at Extreme Rules. They're going to report back to Kurt Angle next week on Raw, apparently. And I guess we're going to set up the match at SummerSlam. Because it's at the Barclays Center, where they had the actual really good match that I attended. But, without the right motivation, I i don't know if I can get into this. I, I'm not going to be at SummerSlam. So, you know, that doesn't matter in the aspect of the live audience. But I, personally, will not can't get invested in this match... If there's not actual stakes and an actual story outside of we both suck and we bicker because we're women and that's our story because that's kind of fucked up. They kind of had that issue on Smackdown with the Lumberjacks, but we'll get to that. So, yeah, I guess we're going to have Bailey and Sasha at the SummerSlam and it's going to be... Fine. I'm sure the wrestling will be good, but if you can't tell a good story, what's the point? We had a tag match with uh, Bobby Roode and Finn Balor against Baron Corbin and Elias. Uh, Elias did his thing with his guitar before the match, which was cool. But then Baron Corbin came out and he sang the Itsy Bitsy Balor really, really badly. While uh, Eliza's playing on the guitar and encouraging him, and I get it, it's supposed to be bad because he's a heel. It also was bad. I don't know. I I just don't know what's up with Baron Corbin. I like the constable name. I don't get it. I don't get the character. Is he a bully? Is he a suit man? By the way, have you noticed... Uh, this is the thing that I noticed, that he's been wearing a shirt as part of his outfit now because of the whole constable thing. I think it's to hide his stupid tattoo on his chest. Because it kind of covers that up. I think that's I think that's what they're doing. I'm not sure, but I think that's what they're doing. And it's that's kind of hilarious if that's the actual story behind it. Because you can't really do something about a tattoo that big. Put a fucking shirt on him, I guess. Anyway, uh, Baron Corbin pinned Bobby Roode at the end of the days. Fine. Whatever. Uh, we had Seth. Well, this is the main event, so I guess we're getting to the main event overall. We had 
a uh, a Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre match where if Drew loses, he's banned from ringside at Extreme Rules. But before we got to that, how we got how we got to this match even occurring is we had a really really bad promo segment that may make me hate Seth Rollins, despite him being a good wrestle man in the ring. Because uh, we had Seth Rollins uh, out in the ring and being interrupted by Ziggler and McIntyre. And Seth Rollins just refers to making dumb jokes and a bestiality joke about Drew McIntyre fucking goats or sheep. And... uh, No... That's that's not okay. That's not cool. Don't don't do that. Don't don't give him bad comedy. Remember when you did that to Dean Ambrose and you almost killed his career until he kind of moved the SmackDown and got serious until he got injured. Don't don't do that, guys. Come on. He's still a good wrestler, but segments like this can really really uh, set you know. Expectations low. That's fine. Each McIntyre challenges him to a match that night, and then Kurt Angle later in the segment with Kevin Owens makes the stipulation that you know the whole if he loses he's barred from ringside. Fine. Then we had the actual match, and the match was good. Like. There, there's a cool spot with uh, Drew McIntyre being, you know, set up in the tree of woe, and uh, Seth Rollins being on the top rope, getting ready to do like a double stomp to him. But instead, McIntyre curled up, grabbed him, and threw him over his head onto the mat while still in the tree of woe. That was cool. Aside from that, there weren't any really that memorable spots or good, some good near falls, but. The finish came when uh, Dolph Ziggler caused a distraction and uh, Drew McIntyre got the win. He got the the pin. Uh, I mean, I get it because you want, you know, you don't want to make it too obvious and have the face like, oh, I even the deck now. So it's just going to be a straight up one on one match with with the heel Dolph Ziggler. Without giving him a bunch of options to cheat, because there's a bunch. Because if you don't know, the match on Sunday is a 30 minute Iron Man match, so he can spare a few falls to get the upper hand and cheat, and you know get the advantage over Seth Rollins. So having a guy at ringside helps with that. Makes sense to keep him in. Not not a fan of Seth Rollins like losing heading into the pay per view because it kind of makes it obvious that he's gonna probably win on Sunday, but it's fine. Still a good match. So, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. So yeah, that was Monday Night Raw. Three hours. And if you're wondering, oh, where are the segments with the B-team? And I'm not, no. I, I can't cover all of it. Just cover the things that were interesting to me. Sure, the B team got another win on the the 
the leaders of worlds. Can't wait for them to not win the belts on Sunday. So yeah, we're, we're done with Raw. We're not. We're not. We're not talking about Raw anymore. We're gonna move on over to SmackDown, which uh, in the video version you can see I'm wearing, I'm wearing my SmackDown shirt this week because I'm normally the SmackDown editor of this website until circumstances made me the, also the Raw editor. Because thanks for made. Let's talk about SmackDown, though. Let's talk about the opening segment, which was brilliant. Miz TV with Team Hell No being there. Uh, the whole thing is Danny Bryan wants to kick the Miz's ass, uh, but Kane is trying to calm him down. And be like, no, you know, we, we're on a TV, we're on uh, the Miz's talk show. We need to be professional. Despite the Miz being a shithead, as he always is. Uh, the Miz tries to compare the whole, uh, you know, reunion of Team Hell No to being like, as if sync reunited. But Kane, you know, the smart one, points out that sync reunion is never going to happen because JT is, like, way too big of a star. Which, he's not wrong. I thought the NSYNC uh, reunion was going to happen at the Super Bowl that I went to. I was kind of, you know, getting excited for that. And then it was just JT doing all his songs, which is, which is good. But I was a little surprised NSYNC would have been nice. But if, it's, if they're not doing it at the Super Bowl, it's 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 never happening, guys. I'm sorry. NSYNC is never getting back together for a reunion. Uh then the Miz airs a video package uh, about Team Hell No, like talking about how oh they're back now, they're so good. Remember their history as a great tag team, and by that I mean he showed all the footage of the last feud Brian had with Kane, with Kane like tombstoning him on steps and announce tables, and popping up through the ring and trying to steal Bree. And then laughing maniacally. It, it's it's a good it's a really good video package because I rem they they made that feud actually look like pretty good because at the time that feud was kind of terrible and not what you wanted from Danny Bryan. So yeah, they, they had that and Miz apologized. Oh no, this is the wrong video package. And. uh... Yeah, Brian said that the only thing that you're worse at than stirring the pot is wrestling. And the Miz kind of goes off and uh, points out that he's... That Brian, instead of, you know, fighting the Miz, is hiding behind a cheesy nostalgia act. Which, he's not wrong, but also we need to save this match for SummerSlam, so... Kind of in a pickle. Uh, Miz, uh, Kane tries to calm Brian down. But Miz uh, calls Kane a broken down old demon. Whoopsies. Kane grabs the Miz by the throat. Then the lights go out. Thank God the Bludgeon Brothers are here to save the Miz. And by that I mean, oops, now Sandy's music hit. And Sandy beat him to the punch and are attacking Team Hell No. While the Miz has miraculously vanished. Unbelievable, huh? The New Day come out to make the save, but the heels still knock, lay them all out. And that's the segment. 
kind of weird. We got five men on one side, five men on the other side. But it would set up for a good tag match for the main event of the show. It, it, it was the main event of the show. Paige totally made that match. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good segment. It, it continued to build the whole issues with The Miz and Danny Bryan without, you know, going all the way because that starts next week. Because next week is to build the SummerSlam where we're actually going to have this match. And if they don't do the match, they fucked up real bad. Uh, we had... Next... Oh, boy. Next, we had a WrestleMania rematch. And by WrestleMania rematch, I mean the Greatest Royal Rumble rematch. And by that, I mean a Backlash rematch. And by that, I mean a random episode of SmackDown rematch. And by that, I mean another... What was the other pay-per-view? There was another pay-per-view. Money in the Bank... Yeah, they had a Money in the Bank ma match in Money in the Bank too. So another rematch. We we've had this match like 20 times. It's not a rematch anymore. Just a match. So we got AJ Styles against Shinsuke Nakamura on SmackDown. Again. But it's fine because Rusev and Aiden English are out. And Rusev again talks about burning down his house that he built. And he's going to be on commentary. And thank God for Rusev. Rusev was so good on commentary. Because, uh, while there, he was, uh, taught, he brought up the tank at WrestleMania where he was US champion. Talking about, like, you guys ever been on a tank? I've been on a tank. I'm, I'm clearly the greatest wrestler ever. He's a super athlete. All these moves that AJ Styles is doing in the ring to Nakamura won't work on him because he's a super athlete. It's Rusev. He said he also mentions uh, that Styles can't put him in a in the, a calf thing, which he means the the calf crusher, because his quads are so big. And when Byron cries to question this, Rusev tells him to go follow him on Instagram to see how big his quads are. I. You should follow Rusev on Instagram. Look at the, look at them look at them quads. They are actually pretty impressive quads. If, if I'm not I'm not lying, you you should follow him on Instagram. But yeah, so uh, while the fight spills out in front of the announce table, Aiden English starts talking shit because it's what he does, and Styles decides to punch him in the damn face. Because he kind of deserved it. Shut, shut your mouth, dude. Rusev is pissed at this. And wants a Shin, as he refers to him, to finish him. And just keeps yelling, finish him! And he sets up the Kinshasa, but... Styles moves out of the way and in English eats the Kinshasa. Whoops. At this point, Rusev's had enough of this shit. As the fight gets back into the ring, Styles sets up for the Phenomenal Forearm, but Rusev... Grabs him and just starts wailing on him to cause a DQ. As the two-on-one fight starts happening, uh, Jeff Hardy pops up, runs into the ring, tries to even the odds. Paige goes, Paige here. As she does. And then set up a tag team match with these two teams. Because uh, her reasoning being, well... 
Two of you guys got a WWE Championship match. And two of you have a US title match. So we should have you all wrestle in the tag team match. So, so, so damn original, right? That's where the match went from good to... It was okay. It was not, this was not, this was like a kind of a house show match. Fine, you know, people had spots, but wasn't anything going out of the way being incredible. And, uh, how the match ended was Hardy was in the top rope, get ready to hit his swanton, but, uh, Nakamura pulls his foot off the, uh, turnbuckle and he tumbles in the ring. Rusev hits the Machka kick and gets the win. So there you go. The heels win. On the go home to a pay-per-view. What could possibly happen on Sunday? Honestly, I, I think that Shinsuke could actually win the US title. But we'll, we'll get again, we will get to that later on. Uh, what else we had? We had the Battle of the Sexes 2. Between James Ellsworth and Asuka, but this time it was a lumberjack match. Because that's the thing we were missing last week. It needed a shitty gimmick. So smart. So, uh, one, one good goof that happened while Carmella was coming out to the ring before the match was that uh, Tom said, Mella may be money, but tonight she's a lumberjack match. To which Grace goes, no, no, she's not a fucking match. She's, she's a lumberjack. That, that's how the stipulation works. So we had Ellsworth and Asuka have the match. And uh, this match was kind of bad. Like, comment, like Byron on commentary afterwards said it was the worst match he's ever seen. Which I feel like was Vizic Man yelling into his ear to say that. It's not that bad. It's not like worst match of the year quality bad, but the problem was that Asuka's offense felt like she was really holding back and not just wailing on this motherfucker. Because uh, that's what she kind of did last week, where she straight up slapped him so hard I could feel it. Didn't get any of that. Just kind of, you know, some strikes. Threw it. He went to the outside, and that's when that's when the problems happened. Uh, so we had the lumberjacks all gather around and grab Ellsworth and get ready to throw him back into the ring, as is their job. Instead, they just start fighting each other for no reason. Besides, well, some of us are faces, some of us are heels. We should all just fight. Because we're women. Which seems to be WWE's logic all the time is, oh... Women all hate each other, so they must always fight. Which is really shitty. But we're not, we haven't escaped that uh, mindset yet, so. That's what we got here. One good spot was that, uh, as Ellsworth was trying to leave, Naomi and uh, Becky Lynch got him back, and then all the women moved their way to that side of the ring. And Asuka did a big ol' splash to knock them all down. Got got Ellsworth back into the ring. Carmella handed him, like, a, a spray, a little spray bottle. 
at, you know, kind of like a pepper spray type thing. And he got ready to use it on Asuka, but she was too fast. Put him in the Asuka lock. Submission. Asuka wins. And then after the match, he sprays her in the eyes and Carmella kicks her in the face and knocks her out. Again, the heel having the advantage heading into the pay-per-view. Couldn't have seen that coming. I wonder what that means. I mean, I'm pretty clear. I I would think that Asuka is going to win the belt at this point. Heading in the... They could save it for SummerSlam, but really, you know, having her with the belt would make sense. Oh, also, Paige later uh, put Ellsworth in a shark cage as a stipulation for the match because they still have that thing lying around. Still gotta use it. There's a toy. Gotta sell the toy to the kids. Sure. Why not? Um, what else do we have? Oh, this segment. We had a backstage segment with Team Hell No and the New Day. This was this was excellent. They were trying to figure out a way to uh to win since they got laid out earlier. Danny Bryan suggests going into their knees. You know, since they're so big, you know, just take out their foundation. Kane suggests that they set them on fire and drag them to hell. If I had a choice between tacking the knees and like setting people on fire, I think the fire one probably is a better idea. But Brian and Kane get into an argument, yell yes and no at each other. Biggie's had enough. Tells them to stop. Says, what we're going to do is Xavier is going to use his brains to come up, formulate a plan. Uh, Kofi is going to be the Flash and just be fast shit. Daniel Bryan is going to be the goat face killer. I'm into. And uh, Kane then. For his bit, he quoted an NSYNC song and says that he's going to make a promise to them that they were going to win. And Brian calls him out on it being NSYNC, but Kane says that it still applies. And they all yell that it still applies. Funny, funny segment. For all the unfunny shit that they did on Raw, they actually nailed the comedy on SmackDown, and that's not just me... Having my SmackDown bias, this was legitimately a funny segment. I really liked their kick of doing in sync bits throughout the night. Well, well done. Speaking of funny things, uh, we got that Sinkara Andrade Cien Amis match that we were supposed to have a month ago. Do, do you remember when they had that segment? Well, they had a few segments setting up this feud, and then Sin Cara was getting interviewed and said that something had changed in Amis since they were friends back in the day, and Zelina went, uh, I'm not a problem, fuck you, I, he's been successful under me, and also I ter- talked to uh, the page, and you have a match with him next week, and before you could react... Andrade attacked them and laid them out. We got to see that segment on SmackDown with a cut that took out the part about the next week thing because the caption at the bottom in the you know the bottom third said a month ago. Whoops, we forgot. Welcome to SmackDown, the show where 
we constantly go, oops, we forgot a thing. Or a person. Speaking of which, where the hell is Samoa Joe? He's not injured, is he? Like, he hasn't been on in a long time, and I really would like him to heat up and have, like, a good program at SummerSlam. So, he better show up next week, because I'm getting concerned. Anyway, these two had a great match, for what it was. It was short. Sankara brought some high-flying, Andrade did his Andrade thing, because he's a really good wrestler. Do you remember his matches with Johnny Gargano? I do. I was at the one at TakeOver Philadelphia. But, uh, yeah, he won with his, uh, his double knee thing. And, uh, there you go. Andrade wins. Still no clear direction of where he's going from here. Then we got the main event. And the main event was a 10-man tag between Team Hell No and The New Day, taking on the Bludgeon Brothers and Sanity. There's a fine match. As these big 10-person matches are, you know, you can't do too much because you got too many different bodies in the ring. And, you know, with too many moving pieces, you just got to focus on a few bar- parts, do a quick story, and get out. That's kind of what we did here with uh, the whole thing being Xavier Woods getting isolated and beaten to shit, leading up to a hot tag to, Dan- to Danny Bryan, who everyone loves, and him... Winning the match for his team, winning uh, using uh, the running knee that he does. So for once, the good guys won. See that? On the go home, the good guys can win sometimes, but that also means that Team Hell No is probably not winning the tag belts, especially with Brian having better better plans at SummerSlam. But that wasn't the end of the show because we had. A few extra minutes left on the show for SmackDown since it's live and it doesn't have an overrun. So we had Brian try at the stage after him and Kane doing the yes uh, chant. Brian tried to do the uh, the hands thing for the pyro that Kane does, except the problem is that it's 2018. We don't do pyro in WWE in 2018. Ryan tried twice, it didn't work, and finally on the third try, he pumped up the crowd, and he fucking did it. He did the arm thing and, the, and fire shot out around the stage. He did it, he brought Pyro back, he opened the gate to hell. Danny Bryan is the man, he can, he can do anything. He can make Pyro happen. Now let's just hope that we get actual Pyro for Kane from now on, because his entrance with just the, you know, the overblown... Explosion noise that sounds all crackly goes away because that without actual pyro super lame. That's it for SmackDown. It's it was it was a fine show for a go home, nothing spectacular, but it was funny, and that's kind of a pretty big feat for WWE to do funny. And then we come to the final uh, the final show that we're going to cover before we get to predictions. It's NXT. It aired tonight because we're doing the show live on Wednesday. As, as you're streaming live as we always do. So uh, 
Let me talk to you about NXT that happened tonight. It was a pretty good episode. Shocking, right? NXT is a good wrestle show. Ridiculous, I know, but it happens. The opening match of the show is for the NXT North American Championship. Adam Cole defending against Danny Burch. And, uh, don't know if you know this, Danny Burch, fucking, he, that guy hits people real hard, and he's pretty good at taking hits, too. So, Adam Cole was all in on that, and it was a pretty hard-hitting and excellent match. Surprisingly long, though, too. Uh, so, yeah, during the match, Adam Cole was uh, talking about the shit at Burch while he was dominating him, about him not being on his level, which is good heel work. But, uh, Danny Burch hit at, uh, this pretty sweet clothesline and pin and went for the pin on Adam Cole. And when Adam Cole kicked out, he uh, turned it over into a crossface. I, I, I like that stuff. When people like set up a pin and went to two count, instantly transition into a submission. It's smart. And it's always cool looking when it happens. So, props to them for that. Uh, Danny Burch hit a Tower of London, which if you don't know, it's a, a cutter when, uh, while uh, your opponent's feet are, like, propped up on uh, the top turnbuckle. So, it's it's a pretty sick move. Uh, the, the announcers acted as if this was going to be the finish of the match, but, of course, Adam Cole kicked out. And, uh, Adam Cole ended up winning the match by using the last chance which is his uh, running knee to the back of the head type move. Adam Cole, baby, still the North American champion because, of course, he is. What, what kind of sh- what you think NXT changes titles on the weekly TV? <laughs> That's preposterous. Shame on you for thinking that. We had a, an interview, kind of outside with the Candice LeRae, kind of like walk and talk with her. Uh, Talking about her win over Lacey Evans the other week. And uh, she got cut off by spying Shayna Baszler hanging out by one of the production trucks. And said, I heard that shit you were talking last week and fuck you. And Shayna Baszler said, told her to go away and go back to being a cute sidekick. Which, that, Candice was not a fan of that. Big ol' slap. And uh, security had to break him up as they were brawling. It looks like that's likely going to be where we're heading for takeover. With Candace fighting Shayna Baszler. Which, which, which will be good. I think that'd be a good match. Um, Then we had another interview. But this time it was in the backstage area. Kathy Kelly had Dakota Kai. Uh, Dakota was talking about how she's... Working her way back up the women's division to get another title shot after she failed last time. And because all these interview segments must end with people getting interrupted, here comes Lacey Evans looking like a Southern Belle, talking a bunch of weird Southern shit. And as as I didn't care about it, near to Dakota Kai and said, I'm just gonna kick the class right off your damn face next week, or whenever we have this match. There you go. I, I, I'm all I'm all for Dakota Kai having more action, 
where she's not being a sniveling little baby like she was in the Shayna Baszler feud because that was no good. Not 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 a fan. Uh, then we ha- had more of the women on this episode because we had uh, Kairi Sane fighting Vanessa Bourne. They they apparently had set this match up in, before. I apparently I I was not watching when that happened, but we had it. Important thing to note here: we had the the women uh, the woman uh, referee handling this match, and she continues to be excellent at her job. She's actually called some men's matches in NXT, and she's good. Kind of just blends into the background, which is a good thing. You don't want to, you know, have that be a glaring detail, but it's just good to see the representation of a uh, woman referee doing doing the job great. So, good, good for her. Uh, in this match, Vanessa Bourne was surprisingly, like, brutal. And, like, had a lot of offense, which was kind of weird to me. I didn't think she was going to be that big of a deal. But apparently they're treating her as such. So, that's good. However, Kyrie Sane's finisher, which is, you know, her submission finisher, instead of her, you know, weird elbow drop, where she defies gravity, is the anchor, where she kind of has this hold that twists her opponent's feet, kind of like an anchor. And she starts bending backward into it and bending more which is also bending her opponent and she bends all the way back to for to her to her she bridging so her head hits the ground and Vanessa Bourne has to tap out it's just too much it's such a good looking move I was really impressed with this it looked great and uh, Kyrie same one then she grabbed the microphone and cut a promo where she was saying that she had beaten Shayna before, referring to the, the first Mae Young Classic, and that she's going to do it again. 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 With the whole crowd chanting again, it was very good. And, uh, yeah, this was actually a surprisingly good English promo from Kyrie Sane. You know, she still has some issues uh, you know, pronouncing words because it's not her, like, native language. But she's getting, she's getting better than Oscar at least when it comes to speaking, and that's kind of scary. So good, good on Kyrie Sane. She's she's the pirate princess. She's got a great gimmick. She's great in the ring, and now she's starting to be able to cut promos, and that'll only get better in time. We got some videos, uh, you know, hyping up stuff coming up in the coming weeks. Next week we have. Uh, Kyrie saying Nikki Cross, uh, Candice LeRae, and Bianca Belair in a fatal four-way number one contenders match for who gets the shot at the NXT Women's title at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Four. I, I think it's four. It's probably four. And uh, then we got, uh, in two weeks, we have Alistair Black versus Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Championship. And speaking of that, we have Aleister Black get ready to head to the ring to do his promo. When Johnny Wrestling shows up and says, "Listen, Tommaso can't win the NXT, cannot win the NXT Championship. Like, seriously, he can't." And kind of and kind of threaten like he will do everything in his power to make sure he doesn't if Aleister can't handle the job. 
And Alistair's like, whatever, dude. I'm Alistair Black. People paid the black. I'm fine. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I'm going to the ring. And we have the whole, you know, coming up next thing in the corner. And the music's playing. They're heading the commercial break. He goes through the doors into the arena. And Tommaso Ciampa attacks him in the medical area and DTs him to the ground. Whoops. Alistair Black's taken to a hospital. And that's it for him. Will he be okay to defend his title in two weeks? Stay tuned. I thought it was effective. I think it's great. I continue to hate Tommaso Ciampa. He's the fucking worst. I hate that guy. But he's a really effective heel. So good. XC continues to handle all of this extremely well. And speaking of handling things extremely well... The main event of NXT was for the NXT Tag Team Championship between the Undisputed Era and the newly crowned champions Mustache Mountain. Which, if you don't know, that's Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. They they won it at the uh, the UK Championship Special a couple weeks ago in an excellent match. And and this this was an excellent match. As soon as the bell rang. Undisputed Era jumped them from the get-go, and this match never slowed down. I don't know how, but they kept the intensity. I I don't know if it was the people in the ring, or if it was Mario Ronaldo yelling non-stop the entire match, but it felt frantic, it felt crazy. This match is definitely worth watching. So, you should you should go out of your way to see it, because... It was just some brilliant, brilliant work from Mustache Mountain and the Undisputed Era. Everyone contributed well in this match. Uh, yeah, so we started out with the Undisputed Era beating down Mustache Mountain. Eventually, Mustache Mountain flipped it around to get the offense. And they were doing this shit where one of them would use like the other's hands to like jump off of. Like... Like, uh, Tyler Bate was, like, doing flips, and Setvin was, like, doing sentons off. It was nuts. This was really cool. I I like these guys a lot. Uh, then we got to the, the story of, hey, there's a reason that Undisputed Era asked for this title match now, so soon. It's because Trent Seven's got this knee brace, and he's got a really bad knee. So Undisputed Era spends the match you know, trying to remove the knee brace and just beating the shit out of him and put him in all these submission holds. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal stuff. Uh, yeah, so every as they had isolated Seven and had him in all these different submission holds, he kept inching closer and closer to Tyler Bate to tag him in. But every time that happened, one of the Undisputed Era guys would just knock him off the apron. Because it's smart. Don't, don't let him tag in. That's how you win the match. Smart. Eventually, uh, so what happened was that uh, finally Bate got tagged in. And he did both an airplane spin and a big swing to Undisputed Era at the same time. How is this man so strong? 
Like, it wasn't like a fast one, but still, the fact that he did is fucking crazy. This guy's awesome. Highly underrated, despite the fact that he is the first UK champion, but still. And also, he was currently... Whatever. He's still underrated. He's great. Tyler Bate, one of the best wrestlers they got in NXT. And definitely in NXT UK. So, at this point, Seven is getting looked at on the apron by medical staff. Tyler Bate is essentially just fighting two-on-one. Like, not even with tags, just both undisputed area guys going in the ring and Bate dealing with both of them. But eventually, the numbers get too much. And, uh... As he's doing that, uh... We have Trent Seven kind of, like, getting back up saying, Please tag me! And, and you need help! And Bates like, No, dude. Your leg. With the commentary continually bringing up that Trent Seven's like a father figure to, uh, to Tyler Bates. If you watch this, take a shot every time the word father figure is mentioned. And you will, you will probably die. Maybe you, should, maybe you shouldn't do that. It's, I think there's at one point where uh, Mario just says it like four times within a minute. So th- th- don't do that. We did see a uh, Tyler Bate hit the Tyler Driver '97, but because there's two of the undisputed era, the other one got in and broke up the pinfall. So it was getting to the point where seriously, Tyler Bate needs to tag out. And if he wasn't going to do it, Trent Seven had to tag himself up. Tag himself into the match. And, uh... Then it becomes, oh shit, my my leg's still bad. You guys are still going to do the moves again. Like heel hooks and stuff. To my leg. And, oh god, it hurts so much. At one point, they... While uh, O'Reilly's got him in the heel hook, he uh, rolls it up so that they're both on their backs... They both kind of crunch up and start just wailing on each other, and it's awesome. This was this was a good match, lots of intensity. But uh, O'Reilly got him into another submission, and he held him in that submission for a long time. It was uncomfortable how much pain he was in, and Tyler Bate felt it too because he had a towel and was ready to throw it in, because Trent Seven would not give up, and even yelled at Bate, no, I'm not going to give up. Until finally, Tyler Bate had to throw in the towel because he was literally going to die. His career was literally going to end. If he did not save him. So there you go. Great heel finish of having the faces just have to give up by throwing in the towel. It was just too, they were just too much, they were too intense. A disputed arrow wins back the titles. Fantastic. You should definitely go out of your way and watch that match. And I guess you could also watch the opening match with uh, Adam Cole, Bebe, and uh, and Danny Burch, because that was also a good match. Yeah, it was an excellent time. That was NXT. It was a good episode this week. It was very, it was very, very good. And now... We're going to move into the last segment of the show. It's my predictions for Extreme Rules, which is this Sunday. And it's a co-branded pay-per-view, so it's four hours. Yay! Lo- love to watch 
So much wrestling. God. Ugh. It's fine. I'll, I'll do it. It's not, not a big deal. Let's, let's go over the card. And I'll give you my predictions for who I think are going to win these. So, for the kickoff, we have a tables match between a New Day and Sanity. They couldn't possibly have Sanity, this fresh, hot new team that just made their debut a couple weeks ago, lose matches all the time. Oh, wait, they have been. New Day's going to win. They're going to. Sanity's going to do something stupid, and New Day is going to capitalize and put them through a table. Possibly with the the big ending or the uh, the midnight hour. Then we had we have oh boy we have a steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens. I could see this match going with uh, Braun Strowman just plowing Kevin Owens through the cage. And Kevin Owens just rolling onto the floor and winning. And then Kevin, then Braun being pissed and just continue to beat the shit out of him. All around the arena. I know they just did a similar spot at the Greatest Royal Rumble with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and they fucked it up. But still, they can totally do it again because it's Braun and he likes to destroy things. Alternatively, if they don't want to do the whole going through the uh, going through the uh, the side of the cage, they could actually just have Braun put him through the ring and have him crawl out the bottom, a la JBL back in the day. So that could work. Either way, Kevin Owens is going to win this match. Finn Balor versus Constable Baron Corbin. Why is this match happening? Because four hours, baby! Pretty sure Finn Balor is just going to win because this is kind of a throwaway match. And give give Balor a bit of momentum heading into SummerSlam, I guess. I don't know. Not, not, not much. There's not much to this match. The United States Championship will be on the line as Jeff Hardy defends against Shinsuke Nakamura. And... I think this would be a good time to put the belt on Nakamura. I get Jeff Hardy is, you know, a bit ba- over baby face. It's all great and all that, but he's also just kind of slowing down. And if you want to have a big marquee match, why not have Nakamura be the champion? Have him have a big spotlight in this in front of this Brooklyn crowd and give him a prime spot on the card. Makes sense to me. Plus, he hasn't won a belt on the main roster yet. This baby step, give him the U.S. title. Let him mock America. That that always goes well. So yeah, my prediction is that uh, Shinsuke is gonna end up winning the belt. He might punch Jeff Hardy in the dick on the way. Then we have a 30-minute Iron Man match for the Intercontinental Championship. Dolph Ziggler. Versus Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre will be at ringside. I could see Ziggler doing some shitty heel work and cheating to get disqualified a couple times, but all that to be in you know the process of getting easy pinfalls on an injured Seth Rollins. 
I don't expect this to be one of those ones where, oh, there's barely any pinfalls, and then there's one at the very end. Because I don't think I could handle that. I don't think I could handle one of those long-ass matches where nothing happens on a four-hour show. So give, give me some excitement. Um, I say Seth Rollins the last second pulls it out and wins the belt back. Not, I, I like at the last second, like as you know, the referee's counting or the timer is counting to the end. He's gonna get the last pinfall and get the win. Um, SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the Bludgeon Brothers defending against Team Hell No. As I as I said before, it's uh yeah don't don't give Danny Bryan the tag belt. He's got a better thing to do against the Miz at SummerSlam. I could even see the Miz costing him the match here since the Miz isn't on the card. There you go. Get that get that ball rolling. Maybe have those two on the uh, the post show for Extreme Rules if they still do those. Whatever the old talking smack thing is now. SmackDown Women's Championships on the line with James Ellsworth suspended above the ring in a shark ta- shark cage. I, I wrote tank, but it's, it's the cage. He's not in a thing. Whatever. It is Carmella against Asuka. And as I said, like, sure, they have a lot of stock in Carmella right now, but Asuka would be, like, really good to have a big spotlight for her at Brooklyn. I would say maybe have her defend the bell against Becky Lynch. That could be a really good really good match. Uh raw tag team titles, the the leader of worlds against the B team. That's it's it's an easy one. The over weird the weirdos that are over I know you could you could say that's either team, but it's the the, the leaders of worlds. They're they're gonna they're gonna retain the belts. They're gonna do something would they even hmm? Would they even be on SummerSlam? Yeah, probably on the kickoff. You have them, that match. Raw Women's Title: Alexa Bliss against Nia Jax with Ronda Rousey apparently buying a ticket at ringside. I mean, it it makes perfect sense to have Alexa Bliss retain the belt here and then set up her big match with Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. I mean, that's pretty easy. There's nowhere. To go with Nia Jax as champion heading into that show. Uh, WWE Championship match: AJ Styles defending against Rusev. As much as I love Rusev, and trust me, I love Rusev Day, and I want it to be Rusev Day every day. But they're not going to give him the WWE Championship before the second biggest pay per view of the year. It's it's going to stay on AJ Styles. I'm sure. Aiden English will try to do some things, and it will backfire. And I really hope we have a good spot with the accolade, but... And, and, you know, the Kev Crusher failing a few times would be good. But Styles is eventually... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, he's going to win with, with the, uh, the Styles Clash. I want to see Rusev take a Styles Clash. I think that would be super cool. And, finally, our main event... It, it, trust me, it's going to be the main event. It's Roman Reigns against Bobby Lashley. 
the the winners whoever turns the pay review off first because no I I don't I don't no 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 and that's that's it that's it for my predictions for extreme rules remember it's this Sunday so make sure you tune into it all four hours and then also the pre, pre oh god Uh, and uh, Trace in the chat says, "Hot dang, I've already won." Because Trace does not subscribe to the WWE Network, so congratulations. But yeah, that's that's it. We're, we're wrapping up heel turn. Uh, this was a production of Pro Wrestling Cool. It's not just cool; it's dot cool. We we stream this show live every Wednesday. Around nine to nine thirty PM Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash ozone online or mixer.com slash the ozone. So make sure you tune in live. You can be like Trace hanging in there. You're talking about saving nine ninety nine a month. I'm gonna remind him that you, the people at home, could spend your nine ninety nine on something a little better. Like our Patreon at patreon.com slash PWC. Because if you subscribe to that 999 tier, you're going to get me and Trace sp- talking in great detail about the G1 special in San Francisco. That happened this Saturday. It's great. It was a great show. I mean, aside from the part where some people may have like got seriously injured or died. But yeah. If you subscribe to that tier, you get that special. That special podcast, which will go up on uh, this Thursday. Later in the day from when the podcast version of this goes up. And for the next few weeks, the rest of July heading into August, if you subscribe at any tier on the Patreon, you're going to get a weekly show of me and Trace talking about the G1 Climax, the actual tournament. All the brackets, you know... And the A block, the B block, all the exciting matches of all the different nights, because there's a million fucking shows in this G1. There's so many. And we're going to watch them all, and we're going to talk about all of them. And we're going to let you guys hear us discuss all of it. So remember that's at patreon.com slash PWC. Any contribution gets you the rest of the G1. The only shows lost behind that 999 tier is the, the, the G1 special in San Francisco. And the finals. Because that's that's how that's how we get you. Give you a little taste. But yeah, you can find this and all the wrestling content, you know, my about last night's our our bunch of statistic tracking stuff that we do for WWE, along with uh, our friend Michael's hot takes over at the website prowrestling.cool. You can also follow us on Facebook. By searching ProWrestling.Cool or going to Facebook.com slash PWDOTC. On Twitter, it's at the heel turn and at PWDOTC. We one is for news, one's for dumb jokes. And letting you know when the podcast goes live. It's fu- it's comp- it's not complicated. You'll figure it out. You can follow me personally on Twitter. I am at the underscore ozone. That's where you can find me. And, uh, yep. Yeah. 
that's it for hill turn. I'm still, still alone. Don't don't know where my partner is. I wish. I hope he comes. Hope he comes back. So uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, y'all come back now. You hear? This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.